Beetlejuice. 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 It's showtime. Welcome to the Beetlejuice Minute, where we discuss Tim Burton's Beetlejuice minute by minute. I'm your host, Julianne Fay, actress and owner of CinemaBliss.com, and my co-host today is Barry Rathbun. I am not an actress. I am more involved in the sound part of making movies. Hey folks, it is the end of the week, and I would like to welcome you back to the Beetlejuice Minute, where we dissect Tim Burton's Beetlejuice minute by minute. I also want to give a shout out to Pete the Retailer and Alex Robinson from the Star Wars Minute. They are the ones who gave us the inspiration for the Beetlejuice Minute. So thanks, guys. Woo! Yay! Yay! And right now, they are in hiatus, but they are coming back at the either end of this year or beginning of next year with episode two. So, uh... Yeah, we're with you good. guys. I know it's going to be a hard one. Maybe they'll let me guest on that one. Ooh. Maybe I can I can try to squeeze in there somewhere. Hey, hey. Oh, well, speaking of which, that was our guest star, Mr. Anthony Phillips. We invited Yay. him back <laughs> for Minute 15, which starts with cooking a meal in that lovely country kitchen. Ha! I don't think anything's going to be cooked in that kitchen. <laughs> Boy, that look was like a go-to-hell look if there it ever was. was one. Yeah, she's not cooking anything in that kitchen. Do not collect $200. Go directly to hell. Yes. <laughs> and the minute ends with Delia's sculpture, precious sculpture, being tossed oh so not gently on a table. Ouch. <laughs> so clearly Charles married Delia thinking that cooking was a given no matter how metropolitan a person was because he says you'll finally be able to cook a decent meal. I'm like, wow guys, how long have y'all been married and how many times have y'all fought over the dinner table? Mm. I definitely get the impression she's never cooked for him ever. Or anything. For anything. Exactly. <laughs> so it goes to show when you get married, don't assume. <laughs> assume nothing. Which just brings back to what we were talking about earlier. I mean, what brought these two together? I mean, seriously, why? I mean, they seem like they don't belong together at all. He's probably way more devoted to her than she is to I would him. think so. I mean, I, I don't know. Because she sculpts, and there's probably not a whole lot of money in that, considering what she's sculpting. It looks... He's just kind of dead. like, yeah, probably. It looks just kind of like she threw together some bits and bobs and called it art. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead of myself there because, you yeah, know, we're, we're, yeah. we're kind of skipping Let's over. go backwards a little bit before. Um, I do love, um, not only do we get the dramatic black look, I mean, not only do we know that she's a city slicker, but we also know she's quite the drama queen through three words, really. Mm. Blowtorch and gasoline. Which are not in the script. Uh, pretty much in the script, she just get this, get all this other crap out of here. And that's about it. I mean, Do you think that was ad-libbed by Catherine O'Hara? I would not be surprised. <laughs> so for you actors out there, I mean, Anthony's an actor as well. Um, yeah, sometimes that can be fun. You get so deeply into the character, you might throw something out during a take. And it gets kept right there in the movie. Because all we get from... Uh, her script is relentlessly New York, relentlessly fashionable, relentlessly thin, totally self-assured. That's really all we get. Uh, he actually doesn't really get the um, the dad. Charles Dietz uh, basically gets nervous, but basically pleasant. 
Uh, intent on attacking, re- intent on attacking rest and relaxation with the same vengeance that earned him millions in real estate. So yeah, we're thinking sugar daddy. Definitely. And then he was probably just um, attracted to her super relentlessly, relentless self-assurance because, you know, self-confidence is sexy. Well, and let's give her a little credit. Catherine O'Hare does a little, uh, a little, nice. little, little, little hotness in the show. Yeah, she's yeah. relentlessly thin, beautiful. And Shows then up. everyone gets blown off the screen. Yes, that's true. <laughs> when the movers move a chair with someone still in it into frame. <sighs> collective side to my and I am I am going to read the description of her in the script is it delicious it is actually yeah. it just says one word delicious no uh, she actually gets so far the most description in the in of any character right as now. well she should in the armchair sits Lydia Dietz Lydia age 14 is a pretty girl but wan pale and over dramatic dressed as she is in her favorite color black she's a combination of a little death rocker and an 80s version of Edward Gorey's little girls oh oh my god <sighs> I love that description with a camera with a camera I with a camera let's not forget that she does come from two artistic parents well so. a real estate agent and an artistic well, parent well but he yeah. did move there with the intentions of writing a book did he not this is true. So, oh, there's also a little bit more. Lydia is cool. Lydia is sullen. Lydia is her father's daughter by his first marriage. Lydia is usually about half pissed off, but underneath, we like her a lot. I do like her a lot. I like how they said that. I mean, how it explains, because I was going to say the same thing. It seemed like she was born of him more because she has a little bit more down-to-earthness, which is weird to say about someone who's dressed like a goth rocker. Um, And yet she's brought up in a very artsy way. Right. And even the black is more of a reference to the the stepmom than it is to her dad. Exactly. She's the interesting blend between her upbringing and her... Uh, Heredity? Yes. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. That's the word. That's the word I'm looking for. Well, I only know is this is the moment when I saw her in this movie. In the, in the movie in its entirety, not the moment when she shows up in the, in the chair, but her, just her being in the movie is when it, it should kind of um, establish the crush on her that, that I had, I guess. That it cemented that for me. So between this and Mermaids. Oh, and, Mermaids. And she yes. Um, and, was uh, Mermaids after or before this? And Heathers, I think, were the films that really just kind of cemented her for me. Yeah. So. Definitely, a, definitely <laughs> diverting from the normal teen fare. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I had, uh, said earlier, uh, Lucas was the movie that got yes. her on Tim Burton's radar. And he's yeah. like, yep, I want her. Yeah, she was great in Lucas, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. All right, should we move to Delia's sculpture? <laughs> we can move to anything you want. I've I got to talk well, there's, about there's, there's writer, thing. So I'm um, happy. That so. kind of throws a little wrench into the whole everything was clean because of showing it off to people because mm-hmm. there's a spider web, a clearly very um, complicated spider web there. Uh, but we also get another little glimpse of, of Lydia's life as she's just kind mm-hmm. of, you know, looking at it. Much like Adam, actually, with the whole looking at the spider and, right. you know, just nonchalant. It's like, yeah, I could live here. But, however, to, to prove a point with that, too, to reinforce the idea that the, the cleaner cleared up, the spider was on the spider web, which means it was probably Pretty recently true. made. And if anybody's gone out to their car early in the morning to get in the car and realize that there's a spider web all the way across your, your outside mirror... <laughs> But they do work pretty quickly, so... That is true. So, I mean, the house did still have a pretty good, clean look about it. But I just think it's strange, and of course we don't talk about a lot about the time, because we don't have a proper time in reference, but it just seemed like such a quick move, which of course brings us back to the fact that Jane is not a nice person. 
Um, yeah, I mean, they got into this really fast. So, I mean, she sold that house quick. Oh, so yeah. I don't think she was mourning their death too much. Mm-hmm. Also want to point out, uh, not only is the spider web, going back to the spider, yeah. um, definitely goth, but at the same time it's very intricate. And mm-hmm. Lydia's looking at it with a photographer's eye, too. Yep. And almost yeah. metaphorically speaking, like this whole web of things to come, this mm-hmm. whole intricate interweaving of death and life and these merging of peoples and but also puts her it is. way more into the Maitland's side. Exactly. Again, the first time we see Adam, he's got a little spider on his hand. Exactly. He's just kind of like, how did you get in here? Right. Yeah. Rather than, you know, ah, spider, kill it with fire. Right. Yeah, and he didn't try <laughs> to kill it either. gasoline and a blowtorch. Exactly. And he didn't try to kill it either, mm-hmm. so much like Lydia, so... So it automatically puts yeah. way more on there. And, and I think that Lydia, too, kind of might be that daughter that they never had. Well, they never had a chance to There's have. something interesting, because um, Lydia has not yet seen the Maitland, supposedly. Right. But uh, when I first watched this minute, my, um, my computer actually froze on a frame of her looking up at where the Maitlands would be. Mm-hmm. So if, if anyone were to have that accidentally happen to them during the movie, mm-hmm. they would be like, ooh, foreshadowing, because she's right. literally looking right at them. Well, I think she gets immediate <laughs> sense of it as soon as she comes in, like, wait a minute. There's something different about this house. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I definitely think that she tunes in as soon as she gets there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So, For Delia's sure. sculpture, I'd like to point out, is uh, <laughs> sculpture. Her sculpture. Her sculpture. It, it definitely looks like um, a sketchbook come to life, like one of Tim Burton's sketches. Come it probably to life. was. And, yes. <laughs> yeah. And he is famously, he said many, many, many times when he first started, I mean, uh, at Disney, he was a Disney animator. He worked on The Fox and the Hound, which is, you know, cuteness and light. Um, and he also never. Dark, uh, Black Hogan. Yes. Which is not. Which is not cuteness and light. <laughs> at all. Um, but Disney didn't really know what to do with him a lot of the time outside of things like The Black Cauldron. And. Um, He's always felt like an outsider and such, and I think it's kind of, I think the fact that it's thrown and rejected kind of is a metaphor for, yeah, yeah, anytime you go too far, no one understands it. It's kind of a metaphor for the way Tim Burton may have felt back in those days at Disney. And I think also, too, with the set, one of the things I liked about, obviously it comes in later minutes, but he definitely has that kind of Picasso-esque feel to certain things, and but also with 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 the you know Delia it's almost like he's fused kind of an Andy Warhol sense of pop you know pop art culture yeah. uh-huh. with the Picasso strange you know surrealism of it yeah. and so it's like he's kind of merged the two it's almost like she doesn't have a voice she's just copying other voices so it's like Barrasso I can Bur-Asso, see that yeah that kind uh-huh. of yeah. Yeah. that kind of New York artist I mean Instead of just saying it's my sculpture, like she goes way out of her way to say, no, 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 I didn't buy this. This is mine. Right, and she doesn't. Mm-hmm. These people aren't going to buy her sculptures, nor do they care. They just want to get home <laughs> from care. work. And they just want to be done and go home. <laughs> um, they don't care about these people's problems. But yet, she takes the time, even though she doesn't even like these people, to make sure they know mm-hmm. that it's hers. So, yeah. You say and, narcissistic with a capital N. Oh yeah, at the very least, some self-centeredness. That's for sure. And speaking of, uh, you're talking about Tim Burton's uh, drawings and everything. Mm-hmm. We're recording this in the Alamo Draft House's September Burton month. And uh, if you're listening to this and they're still available, you should definitely get um, the Alamo Draft House uh, and a part of a 
Birth Movies Death, the website, also uh, has a Tim Burton commemorative issue magazine that uh, is definitely, definitely worth checking out. So a shout-out to the Alamo Draft House, then. Indeed. And a shout-out, because there was a spider in the scene, and what better time to mention Christopher Mim. Yes, the giant spider. Don't forget the giant spider, because there are so yes. many spiders in this movie, and the giant spider is an indie film uh, that he created in the 2000s to look like a 1957-ish drive-in theater. And uh, if you would like to get your own copy of The Giant Spider, check out our link on this page. Indeed. I think it's a movie that Lydia would have liked. I think so, too. And also, you know, Chris is also a fan of Tim Burton films as well. Yes, there is a Beetlejuice reference in The Giant Spider. Nice. Indeed. (laughs) Well, I think that uh, does it for the week. But before we let our guest go... Yes, our special guest. Tell us about the first time you ever saw Beetlejuice. Yes. Oh, God. (laughs) That was a long time ago. Um, I believe... Yeah, this one I actually saw in the theater. I actually saw it with my family. Um, Were you aware of what it was going in? Like, have you seen the trailer? We we saw the trailer. We saw the trailer, so we knew what it was. And um, with the time, the reason that we went to go see it is because... Obviously, we didn't have a clue who Tim Burton was. Um, at least I didn't at the time, but uh, we were huge Michael Keaton fans. Mm. So you know we had seen you know Mr. Mom and some of the other films mm. that were out there that he had done at the time, and so I loved Michael Keaton. So uh, I think Night Shift was one of the other ones I, I had seen. Um, I shouldn't probably have seen because I think it was rated R, <laughs> but I did. We won't tell anybody. Child Protective Services. Whoever's uh, listening. Yes. But we, we, we did go to the theater and see it, and I remember that we, we enjoyed it a lot. So then when it did come out on VHS, did I say VHS? You sure oh did. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay. I still say directed video. Yes, directed video. Crazy. So, uh, but we did, we did buy it. We, it was one of those films that we definitely enjoyed the first time we watched it, no doubt about it, and uh, watched it multiple times. Did you watch the animated as well? I did not watch the animated. That was actually the first time I, 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 yeah, I saw the animated I, before I saw the movie. I did not see the animated. I've never seen any of the animated episodes that I'm aware of, not that I remember. So... So what else are you up to these days when you're not hanging out with us and discussing Beetlejuice? Why can't I do that all the time? I just want to do that all the time now. I think I'm, a, I think I'm addicted. I just want to stay here and live in your house. Um, nothing creepy about that. Um, Wait, are you a ghost? Wait a minute. <laughs> no, um, I don't know. He's the Lydia. I'm the Lydia. The Lydia. Um, well, um, let's see. Right now, uh, I have a film out, a, a short film that I shot. Um, the end of last year, called The Space Between, which we, we referred to in an earlier moment. Um, I said moment um, instead of minute, but you know what I mean. Um, called The Space Between, which is a Twilight Zone-esque kind of story of a man's journey through a very strange night with a lot of strange characters, um, looking for a place called The Space Between. And um, that is out at festivals. And then, let's see what else. Um, have another movie that's uh, being, it's another short, not that I shot. Uh, called Morningside Drive, which is still in post-production, has been as in. of this recording. Yeah, so this recording, this recording is in post-production and has been for a while. It's kind of in post-production 
Limbo. Limbo? I was going to say Tim Burton Land. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's definitely <laughs> stuck. It's kind of stuck in the afterlife. It hasn't come out yet. I don't know what it's going to do. Um, however, um, this October, uh, just in time for a ghoulish season, even though it's not a horror film, there's a murder mystery thriller called The Hollow, and not to be confused with the horror film from the same name. You can look that up on the Facebook website for that. Uh, it is The Hollow, and uh, it stars Miles Doliak, but it also stars as the main lead James Callis from Battlestar Galactica, uh, William Sadler, William Forsyth. Uh, it's Jeff Fahey in a cameo, which is a, an amazing cameo. And um, I play a redneck, um, alcohol-loathing cashier that James Callis comes into contact with, and uh, we have a, a, a pretty cool little scene. That seems contradictory, a redneck alcohol-loather. Yeah, well, it is, and uh, they're kind of in a, in a dry county. And uh, um, they also do a great review and write-up on it, which I think is pretty much on point, and I think... Barry, who is who, we've actually seen the film. We got to go to a premiere of it uh, to see the Hollow. He would actually um, probably agree with the review of it. But it's on IrishFilmCritic.com. They do a review of the Hollow, so check that out. It also has a link to the trailer and the poster art, and a pretty good description of what it's about. Cool, cool. Deal. I look forward to seeing it. It's going to be fun. Thank you. <laughs> well, I hope you've had what, fun what, this week. Well, what about you guys? Oh. We can just talk about you guys, don't we? What, what are you guys working on? <laughs> you, know, you guys are besides the podcast. What are you guys working on? Oh, well, I'm working on Rose Red is Dead, but uh, you can check that out on cinemabliss.com for updates, because I don't know what update will be up by the time this podcast episode comes out. Or when people are listening to it, because time is not linear. Well, time is linear, but... Time is not linear in the no, Beetlejuice time is linear, minute. It's true, not in the Beetlejuice Not minute. in Beetlejuice, it's not. <laughs> and you, Barry? Anything you have coming up? Uh, a few behind-the-scenes stuff. Nothing, nothing really uh, Super, um, kind of throwing out ideas and, and uh, rose red, and just kind of being being the the structural integrity behind. Some Barry's things. being modest. Barry is our go-to sound guy <laughs> in the area, so he is building up his reputation quite quickly. So hopefully, we'll see big things coming from him or hear them. Hear them! Ah, awesome. I see what you did there. That's why I'm not a writer, <laughs> but he's fun on set. <laughs> oh. And on that note, thank you so much for joining us this week. We will um, again continue next week with more Beetlejuice goodness. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for having me. Until next time, save us some popcorn, and we'll see you soon at the Beetlejuice Minute.